Dateline, Hollywood, California. There are eight million stories in the naked city. Why is it that Tinseltown can seem to tell those stories worth a damn? Never fear, dear listeners. There is a cure for this condition. Is there a doctor in the house? In fact, there's two. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Hollywood RX. The doctors are insurmountable. <laughs> doctors D and G, that is, of course. How are you, Dr. D? I am humbled. Humbled, he says. I am humbled by uh, the movie I just saw. By the movie that we're going to talk about tonight? The, one, the very one we're going to discuss tonight. Well, I guess we should just go right into it. We are, of <laughs> course, talking about Nomadland. Oh, yes, we are. Yes, we are. Listen, Francis McDormand is flat-out awesome and has been for years in all manner of things. Yes. I've been a huge fan of hers for a long time. And watching her grow sort of more serious as an artist over the years has been a, a distinct pleasure of mine. I think other than the Coen Brothers movies, I think she largely does serious work. That's that is correct. I think you're right. Um but more and more so, I think it's she's just become more of a kind of a somber performer. So, if I hear she's in a movie and I hear that she's basically the main character, nearly the only character in a sense, I'm all in right from the start. It was just a matter of when was I going to get to it? When was it going to actually happen? that I would see it. She, to me, she, she's sort of taking the place that Susan Sarandon used to have. And I feel like That's... she's just getting better with age. And like you said, just her presence is enough to be like, well, she wouldn't be doing a pile of crap. So. Right. Her, it's... her presence in something is an immediately an indicator that you're dealing with a, a level of quality that is beyond that with which you normally encounter. Yes, and so I was I was all in to begin with, uh, before before even seeing it. Uh, I, I was a little daunted because, or found the prospect a little daunting because um, it didn't look that happy. It didn't look like a cheerful romp. So it was one of these things that I kind of almost have to brace myself for in a way um, going in. But as it turns out, not that it is it's not a lark, it's not a, it's not skipping through the tulips, but. There is so much in it that is celebrates life and beauty and and movement, you know the 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 energy of life that um, that I did not find myself. Wow, I had the complete opposite feeling. <laughs> oh I, no! Okay. No, 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 not 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 in the sense yeah. that I that I um, that I liked the movie any less than you, okay. or that I disagree with what you're saying. But I, for me. This was almost. This was almost a very depressing movie, to me. Wow. This was, okay. I, I, I did not get a, a celebration of life feeling out of it. To me, this was more uh, depicting the uh, the sunsetting of America, and I found myself very often during the movie having to combat myself mentally by saying, "This is not." <laughs> the future this is not how movie. everything's it's going to end movie. up when right. when there's total economic and societal collapse right this is not how you're going to end up at age 75 don't worry about it well um that's okay okay yeah Fair i enough. mean so I, we, 
Um, yeah, see, I didn't see these people as unique to this time frame because many of them seem to have been doing it for a very long time, if their ages are to any indication. And I have a feeling that there have been people in America and, and all over the world sort of living a life between the cracks of society mm -hmm. since society started. And generally, these people sounded and seemed like they were... Okay content with, with the lifestyle content yeah 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 as opposed to the guy you know who's lying on the ground in front of the you know neighborhood thrift shop with his belongings surrounding him true that's true but i f for as satisfied as these p people seemed with their their lifestyle or their situation uh i felt like it almost had a like a last chance quality about it. There's really nowhere hmm. to go after this. You know, if, okay. if, if for whatever reason your nomad existence stop ends. Right. Uh, the nomad lifestyle is not a transition into, or a way to transition back into your previous lifestyle. That lifestyle that you used to live is gone, whether you did it as a, a child, a college age person or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, we can get into that. I mean, just our our very. <laughs> our I thought. I mean, I thought it was very well made. Um, I have a little bit of an issue with just the general structure of it. Um, I mean, obviously, this, it's a very it's 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 a tableau. It's it's mm -hmm. you know people and events going by, but there's no real arc to the story. Hmm. It got to a point where we're just sort of waiting for some moment that is going to define an ending for us. Okay. And we pretty much got that, but it yeah. wasn't like, for me, it was more like a sociological classroom screening right? rather than, you know, an actual movie driven by a, a story and a, and a, wow. a character who okay. goes through a change I'm, I'm I, so sorry I feel bad saying that no I feel bad I, I don't I'm not I don't want to trash this movie by no. any means but um, yeah I, I it started at the end I started to kind of get a hankering for uh, something okay okay um, well then let me just it, it not to rebut you or to say you're wrong. Your experience was your experience. I can't certainly do anything about that. In my younger days, I would have tried to change your experience, but I'm wiser now and know that I should just leave that alone. But for me, um, I often get a sense early on whether or not a movie might be based on a book or not. And so early on with this, I thought this is, seems like it might have been based on a book, first of all. Hmm. I also thought this movie feels like it could be a documentary. I mean, yeah. for the first third of it, the only person that I see on screen who's an actor is her. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I caught on to that pretty quickly, that these were actual nomads, not... But even when they weren't dealing with nomads, when they were dealing with her job at Amazon or wherever it was mm -hmm. she was, you were dealing with actual real people. And so their level of naturalness in their quote-unquote performance is, was 
like super refreshing to me and and the complete lack of like uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of um she is just incredibly natural there's no there's yeah. no fake fakeness to her so she also just seemed to be one of the people not just a nomad but anywhere she went she was just a person who was drifting through like everybody else mm-hmm. and so when I when I identify something as having being from a book my my expectations I start to reset my expectations of what I'm going to get narratively from this thing and then when I add to hmm. that this feeling that this could almost be a documentary I mean it kept bringing to mind uh, something I saw gosh in the before times uh, 2019 a movie called Honeyland came out it's a documentary which I strongly advise you and anyone listening to my voice to go see find hmm. it, Honey see it. it's available it's available on Prime it's one word, Honeyland, and it's a documentary about uh, the last female bee hunter, bee hunter, beekeeper, basically, in Europe, and her relationship with the bees that she has, and then a, a family of nomadic uh, other beekeepers, but they also seem to be just like almost like gypsies, and I don't mean that word derogatorily. And this is all taking place in some sort of post-war European setting. I'm not even sure the actual country. But when these other people come in, she lives in this village that's essentially abandoned with her mother, who is terribly sick and dying. And and um, and these new people move in and there's there's just tension because their lifestyle is going to disrupt her lifestyle. But it's Hmm. a documentary. I kept watching going, how long were they shooting this? Because this didn't just happen to occur while they were there. They must have been there for ages shooting this woman who's she's the only person. There's nobody else anywhere except her mother. How do you even find this woman to share? It's just incredible, that level of how did they get this to happen. And you're so in her face, and it's so intimate, and she's the only person there for so long. And I kept feeling, I kept having echoes of that while I was watching Hmm. uh, Frances McDormand here. The blurring between documentary and narrative, for me, brought up a lot of, uh, I remember, brought up a lot of uh, early films by Werner Herzog and Vin Vendors, where he, Mm. they, each of them would both, sort of have locals play small parts and you could just tell from their deliveries that they weren't professional and that they're 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 just as much talking to Werner or Vim as they are the character. The characters. Yeah. She so the director here, and we should just, you know, hats off to her Chloe Zhao, I think. Yeah, Chloe Zhao. From a book by somebody named Jessica Jessica Bruder. Chloe also uh, wrote the screenplay. Yes. So they had the general structure of the the story, the story that you weren't really getting a sense of, but is there. Mm-hmm. Then they'd send producers out to the locations they were going to shoot in, uh, you know, two weeks beforehand to start interviewing the locals, start talking to people and start paving the way, like making a landing space for them and getting these people on tape, on video, telling about their lives, which mm-hmm. would then get ferried back to Chloe who would then massage that material into the script. And it just seemed like this incredibly organic. They weren't saying the lines she wanted them to say. They were saying the stories about themselves, and she was finding ways to incorporate that into her lar- the larger story she was trying to tell, which I'm just completely uh, fascinated by. Um, so that's uh, so and, and I know she didn't invent this like you're saying it goes it has a great tradition of using even Steven Soderbergh in recent memory did it with a movie called Bubble 
uh, which hmm. he, he used people from Parkersburg, West Virginia, my father's hometown, um, as the you know extra actors, the bit parts, and so on and so forth in that movie. Um, and it was one of these experiments of his where he shoots it on a phone and he does everything himself. And, you know, it's all very um, edgy and, and uh, God bless him and good luck. Irrepressible he is. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, <laughs> anyway, there are uh, two poster images for this movie that I love. One is a license plate that's in, t- in like eight slices. Yes. It says no. And I love that image. And I, that just that image tells this incredible story. Just mm. that alone. And there's another uh, poster for it, which is of Francis McDormand as Fern sitting in a lawn chair in a desolate landscape with laundry drying over her head yeah. in the back of the. You can see the back of the van. And that poster brings to my mind the poster for. Another film that she did many, many years ago, Raising Arizona. Raising Arizona. Which, right. yeah. So I just find that interesting that they're, you know, bookending her career in a way. Not ending, because obviously she's not done, but that, uh, that it almost refers to her own history a little bit there. Um, so. Yeah, she was fantastic. And David Strathairn was uh, also uh, pretty chameleon like. I mean, he's. Oh, absolutely. He's absolutely. always rock solid. I, he's always dependable. You know him, you love him. But uh, he he didn't his his usual strathairness did not uh, <laughs> wasn't wasn't boldly shining through like it like it often does. Uh, and are you saying that as a as a positive or yes a, yes uh, okay yes yeah I I thought he was perfectly pitched as the counterpart to her character. Like he was perfectly cast and came with just the right energy and just the right tone. Yeah, the, and just the right I, amount of wanting her, you know. Yeah, no, in his I, life in some way. I'm glad that they didn't um, push that angle too much. Hats off to David and Chloe that uh, in all the scenes that he has with Francis McDormand, he's you never feel him as an actor trying to rise, try, trying to yeah. elevate the part, yeah. to rise to her level. He, <laughs> he's, he's a little guy and, right. And keeps it that way consistently. Yeah. Yeah. He, right. And, and I thought that the patience that the, that the story took, look, you could make the argument that it might've been nice if they had cast an unknown person maybe not a real person, but an unknown person in that part so that you wouldn't immediately go, oh, that's an important character. Now, on this show, I've recently been burned by the fact that having seen Bill Camp in what turned out to be a smaller part in... In In a cameo. Yeah. Yeah. What I thought was going to be, oh, he'll be in this throughout, and then he wasn't. I was like, I'm not going to get attached to David. He might not really be here. That's right. Starring What's-Her-Name and him. Yes, exactly. So that would be my only complaint, is that is that if I didn't know it was him, his first appearance on screen, you go, oh, here's something important is happening. But the moment isn't played importantly. And then you see him again, and oh, here's another. Oh, but it's not really played importantly. And they really took their time with developing how the two of them might make a connection more that he was almost immediately interested in connecting with her, but how slowly she was in responding to his openness to 
connect. And I'm not even talking about as a romantic or anything like that. He just wants to connect with her. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, when he says, when towards the end, when he's like, look, I like you, you didn't get the sense that he was like coming on to her. It wasn't necessarily a romantic right. like. It was right. just, <laughs> you're a good person. I, I like having you around, <laughs> that kind of thing. Touching back on the thing we were talking before about how, you know, the story, it didn't read as a story to you. It was reading as a story to me. I was, hmm. I don't know, I don't know why or how. I was very sensitive to some of these signposts. So uh, we talked about this, I think, it may have been last time, I don't know, recently we talked about this, how I didn't used to take notes because I was sitting in a movie theater and I just wanted to be immersed in the thing. Now I'm at home. And so I just have my phone in my hand and every time I see something, I just hit record and I dictate a note. And so I have very comprehensive moment by moment reactions. And a lot of times the things that I reacted to as being, oh, that's an interesting moment they would come up later as a plot point in some way. And Can I you give go, an example from this movie? I will. I will. Um, oh, actually, I think I, I think I thought of one, and I think I know what, what you're going to say. Really? Oh, cool. We will see. So anyway, at one point, she runs into the family. She used to tutor the daughters yeah. and the mother, and there's this, she's in a store somewhere, and, oh, she wakes up. She's asleep. She's asleep in the store. Um, she's sitting like in a in a on a exercise equipment and she's falling asleep and she wakes up with a start and then she's putzing around and this family she used to know sees her and there's this really weird delicious awkwardness between her and the woman because you know she has a situation that the woman's aware of and so on and so forth and then she has this lovely exchange with the little girl that she knew or that she tutored and that yes. little girl ultimately says is it true that you're homeless and she says I'm not homeless I'm just houseless not the same thing yeah um which is just a beautiful line beautiful beautiful, idea. beautiful and then much later she is not able to repair her van and there's a question of whether or not she's even going to have a van anymore and then suddenly i went oh my god she is homeless now if she loses that van um and there was another line somewhere uh uh where the oh dude 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 where where sorry i'm just getting off on the word home in the very beginning, she's like at the mm-hmm. Amazon Warehouse. service center, whatever you, you know, uh, claim center. center, not claim, uh, fulfillment, fulfillment center. And, um, and, and there's a woman there or somebody yes. showing her, uh, t- her tattoos. And one of them, she's, one of them says it's like handwritten on her in, in, you know, uh, a tattoo that's a handwritten tattoo. And it says home is just, yes. is it just yeah. a word or is it something you carry within you? And so when she says that, uh, if they didn't write that line for her, if that's like something she actually has on her body and that she actually said. But even in that moment, I said, that's what this movie is going to be about is do you carry your home with you everywhere you go? And so to me, right, they were already writing then. And then later when she says, I'm not houseless, I'm not homeless, I'm just houseless. And then later she loses her van or is not, her van is, her, the, comes into question whether she will be able to continue using that van. I thought, oh shit! Now she is homeless um, because that you know, place is her home. Um, to well, me, that is okay, writing. Okay, that is fair, writing. That's that fair. is story. Um, I can't say this with a hundred percent certainty, but that line may be a lyric to a song, because in yeah. that scene, this woman's showing off her tattoos, and there are a whole bunch of mm, okay. lyrics there by uh, a guy named Morrissey, who used to be the lead singer of the Smiths. Uh, oh, I'm sure. Not very. 
intimately familiar with this catalog, so I can't say for sure, but just knowing that there were other lyrics on her arm, I have to wonder if that's that comes from him oh, okay. as well. Okay. Um, and that's that's fine if it is, but they had to capture sure. that material. They I mean, it's it's that. it's possible that it's some incredible coincidence that one of the real life people they chose to use had that tattooed on her her arm mm-hmm. anyway, and it just fit. But but here's the thing. Hold on. Well, I'm, oh, I'm kind of going to go in another direction with it. So you go first. Okay. So I will say this about that moment. Yes, it could be an incredible coincidence, but they chose to capture it. They chose to use it. But most significantly to me, that line comes at seven minutes into the story. And if I remember, my book learning about screenwriting is at the seven-minute mark, you should present the question that the protagonist will be dealing with. The thing they are going to try to sort out should be presented in in or around the seven-minute mark. And here it was at seven minutes. And so I'm like, that can't be a coincidence. Well, you know, it's funny that you that, that you picked up on that. I, I remember seeing that that line on the, the that tattoo and, and thinking also, wow, that's a really great line. Yeah. Oddly enough, I felt like there was a, a great emphasis on physical objects in this movie, which may or may not interfere with your your house is something you carry with you idea right but almost every object that is presented with some kind of significance has an attachment to another human being yeah in some way uh, obviously the plates from her father, which is the example I thought you were going to give before. Okay, um, yeah. About, you know, something that, uh, foreshadowing and something that's mm-hmm. going to, you know, have prominence later. Um, there's a scene, I can't remember if it's the woman who gives Francis McDormand stuff or if it's someone else, but someone says like, oh, this was so-and-so's, this was my grandmother. My grandmother gave this to me. Treat it well take care of it this idea of throwing rocks into a fire as a way of commemorating somebody right right um and maybe that's part of uh what kind of got me depressed is that it had this very <laughs> kind of grapes of wrath feeling to it this you know what 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 you've got on your back is is you mm-hmm. everything is like right. that's all you have left hmm. so Right, you know, and she right. gets the van yes, back, but, obviously. I mean, spoiler alert, but uh, go. Okay, I'm, I, I validate what you're saying, that that's the message. But then, or that that is a possible message there. But the thing is that I'm not witnessing somebody who is regretting that. I'm witnessing somebody who's fine with that. That she, in the end, listen. Okay, now we have to go to the other thing that I was going to say. But yeah, oh when, when, when that plate breaks, I went, mother, oh, fuck, the plate broke. Oh, yeah. And then I thought, actually, that might not be bad for her. It might not be bad that that plate broke because she's holding on to something. We don't know yet in the story what she's really holding on to. But she's holding on to stuff, and that's keeping her back. So the thing that I want to get to then is that because I, I literally, we literally had these words. She was talking about to somebody about how they had this great house on the edge of town, 
She said it wasn't anything special. Yeah. She said, you know what? It was special because out our back window, we could see just for miles. There was, we could see all the way Nothing to the Nothing between us the, and it. Yeah, let me find the actual wording because it ends up mattering later. She says, um, there was nothing in our way, is the actual line. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's great. And I made a note. There was nothing in our way. And so then we're watching and we're watching. And then I have, oh, she goes back to Empire. And now she's back in that storage unit. And she's packing up all the stuff and giving it off to the guy. All the other things that she didn't take with her on her walkabout, she's now just divesting herself of. And I wrote the words, uh, she's getting rid of all that she's been holding on to. So that is both literally and figuratively her getting rid of the things she was holding on to. Because in the previous scene, the old man Bob, Santa Bob, had said to her, he's talking about his son's death and he says, how can I be alive on this earth when he's not? And about his other motivations for how he gets up and keeps going by plugging into things and people. And he says to her, I can be certain in my heart that I will see my son again and you'll see Bo again too. You can remember your lives together then. And he, he helps clear the path for her. So she goes back and she gets rid of everything she's been holding on to. And then she goes back to the house and she walks through the house one last time. And she looks out the door and I wrote, that's the view. That's the view she was talking about. Yeah. And then I said, there's nothing in her way now. Going back to her very language. And then she gets in the car and she goes off into the world. with. Now she has nothing in her way. And that Very is good. fucking writing. So, and, and I don't know that I would have made all these connections if I wasn't making ridiculously voluminous notes while it was going on. Fortunately, I was walking, watching alone. Um, but uh, there's like his flat tire, those little details. She gets to, yeah. she goes back to see, well, first of all, I had at that point went, we're never seeing him again. The two of them said goodbye and we're never seeing, she's not interested in him or being with him. His character's gone. I'm never seeing David again. David, the character, is his name. Yeah. Every, everyone's just their own name. Everyone's name her. is, yeah. And, and then she goes there. I'm like, oh, she's seeing David. That's awesome. And she gets there and she's like, hey, your, your van has a flat tire. And so she saw that flat tire and she was like, fuck, that means he's not going anywhere. And for him, it was like, oh, I don't care if I have a f- flat tire because I'm not going anywhere. The flat tire became this symbol of his permanence there it was such a it's such a beautifully rich little detail that it's like how can you visually convey the fact that this man isn't going anywhere he doesn't have to come out and say well i've decided i'm staying she can go hey you have a flat tire why you know what i mean like i just i just loved that and i just felt like it was such a rich and kind of real way to go about um revealing information even that deep into the movie they're still sort of they're not just slathering it on for you they're just sort of um yeah doling it out in these small in these small portions and she is just uh, you know listen uh, she was great in uh three billboards outside oh shit i disrespectful not to be able to whatever wherever (laughs) three billboards we know what you mean three billboards all right fine she was great in that fantastic in that and this makes me forget her in that i mean she's just Ah, I just loved her in this. Just she's just so unvarnished. She's so raw here. 
I feel like I'm just looking at her. I know, I know it's not. I know she is an actress and she's acting. But um, so that's why I say to me it was about life and it was about all these things because, look, when she, she finds the plates and we don't know what the plates mean to her at the time. We find out later. We just know they're important to her. And then she picks up a piece of clothing and she smells it. And I was like, whoever's clothing that is has died. She loved that person a great deal and they died. And I knew that with no fucking words. It was action and reaction. Told me that. Um, so I don't find out until much later who's, whose piece of clothing that was. But um, I so recognize that as, you know, I have a garage. It's a nightmare in there. I have to go through, I get, I get, I get, I get 12, 15 years of stuff that's been collected from my kids from their school, you know, class projects, this, that, and the other thing. And every time I go through one of those bins, it's like, it's like carving my heart out, going back and looking at, like, who my kids were then. Because they're not those people anymore. Because none of us are those people. I'm not that person I was. Um, and so I, co I was completely bought into her in that unit, that storage unit. And that's the first goddamn scene, and I'm already full on in it. And so I just kept seeing moments like that throughout that I recognized as equal to moments in my own life. <laughs> and so that's why I was saying it's about life. It's about movement. It's about energy. It's about, you know, when she goes and she's in, I think it's the Redwoods. I don't know where she is. I don't know where she yeah, is. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and she's touching those trees. And you just know character or no character. Frances McDormand is able to stand next to those trees and absorb the energy of a hundred years and sent it back out her body. She just has a tool that can do that. Um, yeah. And so to be, have been, you know, been given the privilege of witnessing her do that in front of a camera, it makes me want to weep. So that's where I was saying the life in it is, is, is in all these tiny little moments that are so carefully and quietly observed. I got to tell you, the last five minutes here make me want to weep. Um, <laughs> No, I think you. Uh, I think you really hit the nail on the head. I was too uh, overwhelmed by the socioeconomic implications of the landscape. I think for yeah. a lot of the personal stuff yeah. to really to really land. I felt I, I I immediately identified with her dispossession, mm, if you yeah. will. Yeah. You know, I I I can't remember at what point it was. Some, there's some sometime early in the movie, I think there's a reference made to her staying somewhere or whatnot. It's it's a very small it's it's a very small moment, but I remember yeah. distinctly thinking, no, she 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 wants to be insular. She wants to be completely right. There alone. were a couple of times she was given a chance to stay with somebody. Yeah. And yeah, maybe that was it. Yeah, she did not want that. I mean, she visits her sister at one point. When she needs the money for the van, that's how she gets the van back. I couldn't remember how she got the van back. Um, her sister gives her that money. She was in the backyard, and they were sort of having a picnic and eating burgers or whatever it was, and those other people were talking, and I thought, this is a space in which this woman does not belong. This character can't oh, yeah. be in this space with them. And they're just having the kind of conversations that we all have all the time. The conversation we're having right now is a conversation she couldn't stand next to. 
because yeah. she's in such a different place. And, you know, no, that was that was very apparent. I mean, you felt yeah. sort of uncomfortable for her. It was just like, oh, this is this is the world she doesn't want to be a part of. Right. Clearly, right. who would? And, and and I and I loved that they were able to have a sister who had some humanity towards her and to who was able to be uh, giving to her, even though they weren't necessarily seeing everything, seeing everything eye to eye. Yeah. Um, oh boy, so many things. Oh yeah, okay, going back to this sort of life idea that Swanky is talking about, you know, first of all, that she just has either a broken arm or a bad shoulder or whatever it is, but she's just in a sling. And I just love that there's this character who's just randomly in a sling because, as I'm sure we know, that woman was probably randomly in a sling. And so that right. just became part of it. Um, and... You know, now she's she's only got a few months to live, and she's like, "This is how I want to live before I go. These are the things I want to do before I go." So she's got her bucket list, but that the, the phrase "bucket list" just cheapens whatever it was. And she tells a story about she's talking about kayaking, and she tells these stories about her interactions with nature, yeah. and that they sounded so powerful to me and so familiar to me because I do spend a lot of time hiking, and and you know, even if you just see a bunny, you're like stop and you go, "That is a thing. Look at that. That's this other life." Anyway. Just amazing to me. And then she tells this awesome story about the swallows and turning a bend in the kayak. And, and that yeah. because they were flying above her and there were eggshells in the water and they were reflected in the water that she was, they were above, she was completely surrounded by swallows. She was swallowed by swallows. And I just found that magical. And when that video, oh, yeah, comes, when that video comes later in the movie, again, enough to make me weep because we don't you even didn't see her. We don't even see her. We just see what she's looking at. And I'm like, that's so wonderful. Because that's how a person her age would do it. Somebody who was 25 would go, hey, here I am. Look at the swallows. Right. You know, and do a fish face. And then post it to their story on Insta. You know, whatever. So, and believe me, by the time an old white guy like me is saying Insta, they've got to find another name for it. It's too late now. I've ruined it. Forever. Oh, no. By the time you're saying it, it's already <laughs> passe. <laughs> Yeah, that's The kids true. call it something else. You just haven't caught on yet. Or they've moved on to something else completely. So uh, and just that like that little moment where um, she goes like on a tour somewhere and, and David is somehow associated with it where they're looking at the rocks and they're out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And the guy is doing like a like a, an astronomy thing. And he says, you're, the light you're looking at left Vega in 1987. It's just getting here now. Yeah. I love that little moment. And then he says, hold out your hand. Because as you hold out your hand, you are now catching particles that have come off stars. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're catching the stars. That is so fantastic. So moving. So life. Life, I tell you. (laughs) Well, lest uh, further analysis or discussion of this incredible film actually lead to some some real weeping. um, (laughs) I know we yes. have a few other things that we oh. wanted to cover in this episode. Yes. So uh, why don't you take it away with the booster shot for That's today's right. It's time for uh, it's time for a booster shot, ladies and gentlemen. Roll yes. up your sleeves. We are going to uh, talk a little bit about things that we did not say, but always meant to, about some things we saw in the past that you've heard us speak about, but you didn't hear us say these things. I'm going to start by jumping in and saying, going all the way back to WW84, 
Wonder Woman 84, <laughs> if you can remember that far back. <laughs> Ooh, you're forcing me to remember it. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's cruel and unusual. Um, it kind of bugged me, and I don't know if this registered with you or not, that the big battle between the two female friends, they're like frenemies in it or whatever, mm-hmm. um, the Cheetah and Wonder Woman 84, <laughs> yes. is essentially a catfight. It's a cat fight. One of them because is it's two a, women. It's two women, and one of them is a cat. I mean, she's a CG cat, and I just thought this is sad that it comes to this. I, I see. I see that I'm not convincing you, and it's fine. It's fine. I don't need to convince you. No, 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 no. no, no they no, should have no. rethought I, that. Somebody should have stopped I, and no, said, no, "Hey, no, wait I like a it. I like it. I like it. I Why like are it. we featuring a cat fight as part of this thing? Did we need that? Did no, we? Didn't we? Did well, didn't need, need any of it? Is the real secret. Um, also, in in uh, WW84, uh, in the first ten minutes of the movie, thereabouts, we are we we see Wonder Woman as Wonder Woman in the costume. You know, battling crime, saving the day, helping people, doing whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And then it is something like, give or take, another 60 plus minutes of screen time before we see that version of the character again. We see her as Diana for an hour or probably for Mm. 22 minutes because we're spending all of our other time with the villain and with uh, Cheetah and everything else. And we're not seeing Wonder Woman, right? That's what we came to see, by the way. That's what I came to see, was action scenes with a great superhero that's cool and fun. Great if you allow for the fact that she couldn't punch her way out of a wet paper bag. Great in that sense. Um, <laughs> send your cards you, and letters Are you talking to... about the character or are you talking about Gal Gadot? Well, I don't know whether Gal could or not, but when I look at her... Oh, I I'm pretty get... sure Gal could. You I'm think pretty so? sure Gal oh. could take you out. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, there's no question she could. Listen, I... I am way less daunting than a wet paper bag. I can easily be torn through in no time at all. But if you think about Gina Carano or whatever her name is, the MMA yeah. fighter who's now an actress, she, she can play Wonder Woman convincingly because she has the physical attributes. Um, when, when, they cast, when they cast Superman, they don't cast Don Knotts. They go find the most imposing physical specimen they can. And so she, she strikes me, I think we've been down this path before, as a little gazelle-like, a little too yeah. uh, uh, tender. But in any case, they're not Steven Spielberg, all due respect to the director, whose name is escaping me at the moment. Patty uh, Jenkins. Oh, there you go. Well, now we can throw her directly under the bus. Hey, Patty, you're no Spielberg. He can do that with, with, uh, with Bruce the shark in Jaws. He can show it a little bit and then make it disappear for a while. And then he can show it again and make it disappear for a while. You cannot pull that off. Not with this. Show us the hero doing heroic things and less with the guy I don't care about and the other people I don't care about. I can understand how that's been, you know, you've had this this burning need to get that <laughs> off your chest. Oh, I uh, did. I did. All right. Ooh. So a little a little more currently is uh, uh, Bridger- in, in uh, Bridgerton. Ah, uh, uh, yes. I was wondering, and there's no answer here. This is just a question I'm posing. You may or may not know. But I'm wondering if the book that it's based on had the um, the race issue. The integration. The integration issue woven into it. Or hmm. if you're reading the book, is it just a bunch of white people? Is it just a soap opera? 
And somebody read that and went, you know what? If we changed, if we cast this differently, it would take it to this whole other level. You know, it's funny. Um, since we did that episode, I had a conversation with somebody about it. Oh, yeah. And they said that I completely missed the point <laughs> oh, with yes? the casting. Oh, please, And I said, please. oh, did I now? Yes, what is the point? And this person said, the point is that it doesn't matter what color anyone is. Like, well, yes, that is true, except this is a historical, this is historical fiction. Right. Um, and if you're going to make that drastic a change, then you should be doing something with it, not just having it there for the sake of having it. It didn't, it didn't inform or enlighten us in any way. It didn't make a statement about racism in England. Nothing. Right. I think there's, I, I, while, I do, while I do like the idea that somebody would tell you, and by extension me, that we missed the point of the colorblind casting, um, that it doesn't matter, that race doesn't matter. I, I also, with you, would say, based just on that argument, uh, I'm just talking about that argument, yeah, is, yeah. is that it doesn't make it doesn't actually fit in the sense that within the confines of the actual world itself there is reference to the fact that the king married one of us so now it's it's open season right. it, it, everything's everything's gone and so clearly it did matter at some point in their universe right they'd be right because they or they justified it narratively right right that's first of all and second of all um Color shouldn't matter, except I promise you that every single person of color that was cast in that show was cast for that part because that part was specified uh, to be for a person of color. And so their color mattered at the level of casting. Race mattered to the people who made it because it had to matter in order for them to make or only half make a point. Um, I kind of do, I, I do kind of like the idea though that, I mean, here's the thing, is that whether or not I feel like they did it fully or did it right or did as much with it as they could have or all these other things, the fact remains that they did it. And that as such, it is groundbreaking. As such, it is a foundation on which people who come later can build. So as much as I want to begrudge them that title simply because they did it, uh, I have to. I have to acknowledge that. Well, they did. I just I feel like they didn't do as much with it as they could. But on the other hand, maybe attempts to do more would have come off as preachy or heavy-handed or landed woodenly or whatever. Uh, I don't know. Well, I, I, I stand by my feeling about it that it it by 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 presenting it like they did and but without doing any of the work to then justify the context because you know he didn't just marry a black woman king george apparently all you know in all of england now blacks are equal so how long has this marriage been going on that right. apparently there are no more white people there right. who have a problem less, with blacks. Less than a generation and it was all kind of erased or whatever. It, yeah. does, it does seem 
they sort of want it to take place in the real world, but then they don't want it to be held responsible for any real world um, consequences. And I also go back to the to the ethnicity issue that it's you know it's all a bunch of British blacks. Well, <laughs> yes. You know what, though? I have reached my limit of feeling comfortable as a privileged white male discussing this. <laughs> okay. No, I just feel like um, at a certain point, it's like, you know, it, it feels kind of, it shouldn't, but it feels kind of inappropriate to even have or voice an opinion sometimes. Uh, and I won't go any further than that, because I feel like we've covered some of this. Okay, that's fine. Uh, I, I, I'm all for moving on because we've covered this already. <laughs> Not necessarily because we shouldn't uh, be talking about it. Be, yeah, because we, we we should no longer be weighing in on the subject. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I only have one more thing from my booster shot. Um, okay. Collection. Is here. it is it Bridgerton again? No, it's actually Queen's Gambit, and it's very very small. It's ve- it's a very small thing. But, okay. Um, I mispronounced the name of somebody, and I want to get a chance to repronounce it. And go back and talk about that song. Did I ever send you that link? You did send me that link. Okay. And did you re- recall it when you played it? Or did, was it not anything? Or did you um, No, it? <laughs> I did not. Uh, nor did I uh, recognize the original right. that you said it remade. Yes. The Busy Number, or whatever yeah. it is. Busy Signal. Uh, busy Signal. I'm like, the hell song is that? Right, right. I said it was by somebody named Gillian, but I, but that name is pronounced Gillian. Gillian Hills. And not only was she a, a bit of a singer, she was also a bit of an actress back in the day. And so I think the video that you see that song going with, the song, by the way, is Tut, 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 um, which in the context of the song itself is supposed to be the sound of a busy single. Like that. Um, in any case, there's a, there's a, you know, essentially like a music video that goes with it. And I think that footage is possibly from some movie she was in back in the day. I don't think it was made for that song necessarily, um, because it doesn't always seem to match what's going on. (laughs) It's not telling the story of the song necessarily, but I'm, I'm quickly trying to, um, to give you some idea of what she was in. She wasn't like, oh my God, you know, a, a hit. She was sort of a, you know, come and go type person, probably not much more than an extra, but she was in, for example, Clockwork Orange, Um, which is, I think, probably the most notable thing she was in, huh? Yeah. The woman who sang that song, that that song of hers is from the mid-60s. Tut, 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 tut? Yes. Yeah. Huh. Okay. She played someone in Clockwork Orange called Sonietta, so she had a character name at, at the very least. Um, hmm. And that was kind of the. She it looks like she made a couple dozen. Uh, she was in Blow Up. She played the brunette, so I'm sure these are just sort of walk-ons. But she, it looks like she has a you know two dozen credits or something like that. So uh, huh. she was around for a bit. It looks like from uh, you know. Okay. 1959, she was in Les Liaisons Dangerous, which uh, I referenced uh, not too long ago. Actually, I think it was uh, the same episode. Uh, and that was 1959. So she was around for, I don't know, uh, 15, right. 15 years, something like that. Anyway, well, I know that's not I'm, a lot. I'm, 
she, yeah. she's validated now that you got the name right. <laughs> I just felt like an idiot. I was like, why did I say that so stupidly? And it's because I was reading it. I wasn't thinking about what I was saying. But um, that's not the only stuff we have to talk about. I know I've been hogging the microphone lately. No, um, that's okay. And I want to I... ask you a question. Uh-oh. Well, first of all, so this is kind of like... Uh, kind of doing Wait, so a... this isn't the question you wanted to ask? This is a preamble <laughs> question? This is a preamble. There's not even a question. It's just a preamble. I'm just setting the table for our listeners. Um, booster shot is things we've, we've either forgot to tell you or we thought of the moment the microphone was turned off and that it's been lingering in our hearts and our minds. Um, but what we're into now is, is going to be a follow-up visit. This is going back to subjects we talked about, but are sort of revisiting because there have been new developments. And, for example, uh, to start off is WandaVision, which I think you stopped probably watching after the third episode if you're... Uh, <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> but I've gone on uh, week in and week out with, the, uh, with my uh, good lady wife and with the assistance of my uh, adult son. I will say that it, it became more and more um, interesting and revelatory as in the what's going on department. Um, And we're not we're not quite there yet, but it's you know, it made me think of Lost, which wasn't a show that I necessarily watched. uh, My wife did, um, but was definitely a show or maybe even the aforementioned Fringe. Fringe. Yeah. Yeah. Where week in and week out, you're given, uh, I suppose. What was the one with uh, Gillian Anderson uh, and uh, David? X-Files. X-Files. These are shows that have week to week have whatever the story is they're telling, but then have these little clues to some sort of larger mystery that's going on, something bigger that's happening. And famously with Lost, you know, it took so long revealing the mystery that the internet solved the riddle and then turned in on itself. And by the time they got to whatever their answer was, it just made everybody angry. And so this is a, this is a show in that category where, where every week hmm. you're getting a little bit more about, okay, there's the world where the WandaVision vision is occurring, but then there's what's going on on the outside and you spend more and more time with what's going on on the outside and how they're trying to help uh, essentially save her or bring her back. Do they explain why they have put her in an existence that mirrors old television shows? We haven't gotten to that level of satisfaction yet. Okay. Just curious. um, But what what, what show are they up to now? Because they seem to be advancing at a pretty aggressive clip. Well, I'll let you know that since, since you left, they did do some version of Full House, which is got a layer of deliciousness to it because this is Elizabeth Olsen and she is the sister of the famous Olsen twins who were who starred on Full House and whose set Elizabeth visited when she was younger. Um, she's a couple of years younger than they. Um, huh. And so there was some fun that to be had there. Um, if you know that show, which I barely know, but enough to go, I think this is Full House based on the set. I could recognize the set. And then, delightfully, I think it was last week, it was essentially Modern Family with Elizabeth Olsen doing a stunning Julie Bowen. No, is that her name? I think so. Uh, Impression. Not Hmm. mimicking her, but intonations that you would go I never realized that Julie does that but now that I hear somebody else doing it I go that's fucking her and hand gestures and and just sort of 
just she's an incredibly gifted mimic. I was like, oh well, she did marry Tyler Moore from the day from the Dick Van Dyke show, but so what? That's not that hard. And then oh, whether she did this other person, and you know, down oh, she does seem like she's in a Brady, like she's a Carol Brady sort of. That's not so hard. But eventually, hmm. by the time she's done it three, four, five times, you go, this woman can do anything in terms hmm. of aping these things, uh, but still. So uh, that was fantastic. I just found that um, really, really amazing. And the opening credits are a complete homage to um, to The Office, the American version of The Office. The little song they had and all the little sort of the cut-together pieces hmm. of uh, footage that went into the opening of The Office. And somewhere in there it says, there's a line that says, created by, created by Wanda, you know, Kamikoff or whatever her last name is. So, which is A, a credit that you would see on a TV show, but B, has that second layer of delicious meaning, meaning the whole thing we're looking at is sort of created by her. And it's become <clears throat> more and more clear that she is mentally controlling everyone and everything around her to, at the cost of sort of her own soul. She's becoming exhausted and worn down and things are, the cracks are starting to show through. And in this very last episode, there was a kind of a, a, a twist, a a, a a, a character is revealed to be somebody who we didn't know they were. Um, not that I understood who they were when they became this other person, but I understood that there was now something very different happening. Hmm. I feel it's paying to my continuing to watch it has paid off in a big way. And I just wanted to share that with you and with the listeners. And what's funny is that uh, as of yet, we haven't, we haven't published that um, episode where we discussed that show and listening to it now and listening to me mostly sort of do all this heavy lifting of theorizing what it's about and all this stuff and thinking how much further down the mystery line we are now as I hear me struggling to, you know, dope out things that are good, that were going on a month ago. It's kind of hilarious to me. I'm sure you're not alone. (laughs) It will be to others. I never felt like such an old, uh, helpless old man as I was listening to me struggle with, uh, with those ideas. And I'm sure by the time... I listen to me saying this very thing I'm saying now, sometime down the road. It will be equally embarrassing. Um, That's why I don't listen to our episodes. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Mostly I don't, but uh, we got to go in there and listen a little bit when we're, when we're cleaning up the audio. Well, of course. I'm like, Jesus, that idiot again. <laughs> but you know, as long as we're talking about the things you're watching that I'm not watching. Yes. We're, I think that's the perfect segue into my favorite segment. Oh, no. Streaming with Dr. D. <laughs> Woo! Oh, my God. I get my own segment. I can't believe it. Yep. No, Look, this, is, this is the part where you tell me about all the things you're watching because Dr. D does nothing but watch things. <laughs> uh, and, and, and somehow you're going to convince me that some of them are worth watching. Now, why I would dip my toe in these waters again after WandaVision <laughs> is beyond me. But... Well, We're going to give it a try. Okay, that's fair. Um, I'm going to just talk about, listen, as I think we indicated once before, uh, I, I just watch a ton of stuff. Um, I, I don't know how I find the time to do it. And oh, you, I know, watch, you, watch, you watch two things at a time, don't you? <laughs> well, <laughs> I will watch more than you one have thing. Two, you have like three or four televisions. You have like a <laughs> row of screens and you're just... Right. Everything's going simultaneously and subtitles. You know what? You're not far off the, the truth there. Um, all right, so I've got three. 
that I'm definitely going to need to tell you about, and then okay. there's going to be, and then there's going to be two kind of honorable mentions that I'll just touch on uh, briefly. And one of these, the first one I'm going to talk about, was completely unexpected to me. I mean, I knew it was out there. I just kind of resisted watching it. Y you know, now in this new paradigm, they're doing what they call at-home premieres or something, and that's their yeah. opportunity to charge you twenty dollars to stream their movie. <laughs> because they would want to get your 20 bucks if you saw it in a movie theater. They're just trying to recoup some of their money a little bit more. So people absolutely have to see something the weekend it comes out. Yeah, you go ahead, spend the 20 bucks. You would have spent it if it was in a theater, spend it at your home, fine. Right. Um, but uh, I can't do that with everything. I can barely do it with anything. Uh, so I definitely waited on this one, even though it was something I was kind of interested in. I just had enough uh, reservations about it that I didn't want to spend that kind of money. So eventually I paid some amount of money, closer to $7, to see a little film called The King of Staten Island, a Judd Apatow picture, uh, starring okay. Pete Davidson and, and Belle Powley. And I found it very good. Really? Yes. Um, listen. A little, a little. I understand for certainly for me, and I'm sure for many others, a little bit of Pete Davidson goes a long way, because he's not that different from thing to thing. And if you've seen him in one thing, you kind of basically get what he is or who he is or so on and so forth. Um, on the other hand, Judd Apatone knows what the fuck he's doing. I have a great deal of respect for him and what he's capable of getting out of people. Yeah. So he's got a TV series um, called uh, that he uh, is involved as executive producer, and he may or may not have directed a scene or two, uh, starring an, uh, a stand-up comedian named Pete Holmes. And Crashing is fantastic. It's really good. And Pete Holmes is essentially playing himself, a version of himself, but it's dramatized, and he's very good. It's just excellent. Hmm. Um, and he, this I'm now Judd Apatow I'm talking about, was, uh, you know... Anchorman, uh, you know, this is 40. He's just this list of things that you, uh, Pineapple Express, that you've just laughed and laughed and laughed. Mm -hmm. He can deliver. And he also delivered with uh, Bridesmaids, the uh, Kristen Wiig project a couple of years yeah. ago, where he. And Trainwreck. And Trainwreck. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Trainwreck is a very good analog for this because it's a stand up comedian playing some sort of variation on their own stand up persona. Um, and there's a lot from Pete's own life, you know, strands or elements. He lives with his mother in this uh, movie, and uh, played by the delightful and never a disappointment uh, Marissa Tomei, who is... I don't know about you, yeah, but it's hard for me to wrap my head around Marissa Tomei having an adult child. <laughs> well, it does... <laughs> I, I, you know I, what? I, 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 I admit I am totally ashamed to say this, right. but she'll always be my cousin Vinny. Absolutely. She's brilliant in that movie. Um, and, and so she's locked at that age in your mind, but it works It yes. works just fine here. It works just fine here. And, you know, okay. Pete Davidson it d really delivers a charming and nuanced and good performance of a guy who you don't really necessarily like, but you feel for, you know. He, he's not okay. necessarily likable in, in a big way. And it's just, I, I just really liked it a lot. And I, and I say, you know, it's certainly worth six bucks at this point um, to check it out, if only to fill in your, your Judd Apatow card a, a little bit more. 
So I'm saying okay. thumb, thumbs up for that. Uh, another one that ended up being a little bit unexpected to me, and I had lots of trepidation going in, was something that is, um, oh, I said was Pete Davidson is, is now available on, um, on HBO, by the way. Uh, probably HBO Max and Prime Video. You can buy it for 15 bucks. Um, on Apple TV, which I haven't sampled as much of as I want to, but definitely have checked out this here, is a little something called Servant. S-E-R-V-A-N-T. Servant. Hmm. Um, a Philadelphia couple is in mourning after an unspeakable tragedy creates a rift in their marriage and opens the door for a mysterious force to enter their home. It is a, the brainchild of one M. Night Shyamalan. And that's where the trepidation That's all I need in. to hear. Yeah, no, that's where you start to go, oh, wait a minute, I'm not sure I want to be on this ride after all. And yes. yet, and yet, week after week, it delivers creepy, unnerving, disquieting very, very well. I wish I got Apple. I wish I had Apple TV. I would. I, I would check this out. But uh, the the lead actress is Lauren Ambrose. Uh, her her husband is played by a man named uh, Toby uh, Kebel or Cabell, who's also very good. Rupert Grint, who people will recognize from the Harry Potter movies, he played. Um, mm. Oh the red, yeah, the yeah, redhead. Yeah. That <laughs> guy. Remember. Yeah. Terrible of me. Red. Uh, yes, red. Um, he played Ron Weasley in those movies. So it's in its second season now, and it's just kind of starting. So we're not fully up to speed on the second season. But that first season was uh, appointment TV for us. We had to see it and found it highly disturbing. Okay. I don't really want to talk about it too much more than that, except to say... No, 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 no. Okay, I'll, I'll leave it alone. That I think that is the most positive thing you have said about <laughs> uh, a Shyamalan movie since <laughs> The Sixth Sense. I mean, there isn't really too well, much to to talk about positively but right right but i wouldn't know because my last Shyamalan film was the happening oh yeah that and that's that's fair enough that is very fair um that 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 i said that's my last movie for this guy yeah yeah that's uh that's fair um i'm looking here and i've seen some of the other stuff but this is the first thing in a while that was um did you uh, see split I have seen Split. With Anya Taylor-Joy from The Queen's Gambit. Oh, you know what? That's a good point. I didn't realize when I was watching it that she would later be in The Queen's Gambit, so I didn't make a mental note of her in it. Of course. Of but course. Um, And I am loath to go back and check it out, although I do like um, the the main actor in that uh, is, is somebody... Uh, James McAvoy is somebody I do like a lot. So... Um, and she was like number two on the call sheet there. So yeah, I she was probably all over it. I guess I will have to go back and take a look at it again now that I know her work. Uh, I did rather like the visit, which you wouldn't have seen because it was it was since since then. But I'm um, trying to remember it. It is from 2015. It kind of reestablished him as maybe you're not worthless in a lot of ways. Um, and it's two siblings become increasingly frightened by their grandparents' disturbing behavior while visiting them on vacation. They go to stay with Grandma, and Grandma is a lunatic. She is a dangerous person who should not be alone with children. And God help everybody. And it's kind of a found footage type thing. I think it's mostly supposedly shot by the kids on their phones or whatever it would be. I don't remember the excuse for it. But um, it, <clears throat> was, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. 
Um, it kind of made me go, ah, I might start checking this guy out again, which is what brought me to Servant. Again, with some trepidation. I understand that's warranted. All right, moving on. Okay. Here's another one that kind of came out of nowhere, caught me by surprise a little bit. I don't know if I've mentioned on the air before a thing I do that I call uh, uh, Movies with My Mom is a series of <laughs> adventures. You have where... not uh, mentioned this on air, okay. I believe. Well, uh, just briefly, we're on op- opposite sides of the country, and um, and as a way to sort of facilitate conversations, we pick a movie, we see it hopefully close to the same time as one another, and then we get on the phone or on a Zoom or whatever, Skype. And um, I think it's Skype because Zoom is a bridge too far technologically for us to get going to, with each other because um, she she's very uh, technophobic. And um, so... In the course of, of the Movies with My Mom series, I end up watching movies that I would not normally have been inclined to see because she's really driving that bus. Hmm. Okay. So if it is if it features a female character, if it features an older person, if it's a foreign film, Honeyland, the aforementioned documentary, I literally saw with her. I was I was in New York. I was had I had an afternoon to spare. I got on the train. I went up to uh, to Croton Harmon. She met me. We went from the train station to the movie theater, saw Honeyland, went to a diner, discussed it. She took me back, put me on the train. I went back to the city and eventually got on a plane and flew back here. So uh, that's how dedicated we are to seeing these movies together. Um, wow. And that was, a, that was a great deal of fun, that one, um, even though it's, it's horrifyingly bleak. Anyway, so this was when I said to her, I said, listen, I have a feeling this is a good mom thing for us to look at, but it's not a movie. It's a, it's a bit of a series. And it is um, uh, directed by and, and produced by and featuring a fellow named Martin Scorsese. And the focus of the show is Fran Lebowitz. Had you name, heard of Fran Lebowitz before this came out? I had, but I didn't have a strong understanding of who she was. And I am still developing a stronger understanding of who she was. Okay. I can see that she mattered within the circles that she traveled and the impact that she had on that local society and then and then a larger society. Hmm. Um, the show is called Pretend It's a City and it is available on, I think it was, uh, it was Netflix. It's not coming up on here in front of me. And uh, I've seen two episodes and I can't wait to see more. Even just from the... Wow. Just from the part of, as a New Yorker and, and having been stranded on the other side of the country for decades now, to hear those voices, to hear those accents, to watch her walk down the streets, the way she struts around, her attitude when she flips off the cars that aren't being, you know, uh, you know uh, making way for her. And it just, it's just, her attitude is fantastic. I'm in love with her. I think she's a fantastic raconteur. And... Um, I just can't say enough. And Martin Scorsese is fine. He's not usually front and center. He's it's almost like a, always a little bit over his shoulder. Or he's off to the side. And apparently they did things where they went to different venues and he would interview her or something. So like they did Q and A's with audiences and things like that. So we cut to some hmm. conversations between the two of them, and then you get a little bit more of a sense of him on camera. 
but uh, I can't I can't recommend this enough. It's delightful. Uh, she's she's brusque and she's very New York, even though she's not a New Yorker. She has a New Yorker soul. I think I have a Midwesterner soul, but I get the New York thing and I love New York. But I have, you know, I'm from I'm from Midwesterners. And I think that's really where my metronome was set. Uh, but uh, despite <laughs> having been born in New York and all of that and really getting off on that energy. And she has that energy in spades. So I can't wait to go watch episode three and four. And I don't know how many there are. I guess this. This fantastic box will tell me uh, seven episodes in total. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of those. Very cool. And I urge anyone to go out and do it. Netflix. So you should be able to check it out and you might enjoy it. Two honorable mentions. I, I, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, have you seen it? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Of course not. I don't know why I asked. You That's the whole point of this segment. No, you would have jumped in. Yeah, but I might accidentally come across something you've already seen somehow. It could have my accident. <laughs> I was going to no. I was just going to uh, throw in not not uh, streaming with Doctor G, but uh, I was going to throw in just a show that uh, I, I became addicted to, and my wife became addicted to, and yeah. uh, I want to recommend to everybody I meet. Which is it's terrible title and a really obnoxious host. Okay, but it's a show on Netflix called Blown Away. Oh yes, I know that. I've watched it. <laughs> I was so afraid that not enough people watched the first season that, that they weren't going to one. do a second season. And we were thrilled that they did a second season. And we ended up <laughs> binging the whole thing in one night and stayed up till two in the morning because we oh had to God. see how season two ended. I love uh, it. I love it. Absolutely fantastic. For any of you listening who have no <laughs> idea what we're talking about, uh, this is essentially the amateur glass blowers version of uh, the Great British Bake Off or one of those competition right. shows right. Um, gave me a whole new respect for glass blowing. I'll never look at a piece of art glass again the same way now that I see what's involved with certain techniques and styles to get a right. particular effect or add right. something on just and just, what just kind riveting. Of, just what kind of crazy is required in order to be a person who does that. Okay. You know, they're all beautiful, but they're nuts in their in their own ways. In their own way. And like any great tennis match, I'm going to just gently return this over the net to you. Because to me, as much as I liked the couple episodes I've seen already of Blown Away, and I was blown away, um, to me, it is basically a continuation of the idea that I was introduced to me in Forged by Fire or Forged in Fire, which is the blacksmith version of the glass blowing thing that (laughs) so i recommend you also check out that um and that's had two or three seasons already and yes the hosts or the guests you can take or leave them but the actual watching people um create sometimes it's swords but it's not always swords but there's a lot of swords i think actually it is almost always swords because one of the things they have to do is they have to test their things like when they're done, they have to say, okay, can you, how many watermelons can you cut through when you swim? This is swung, you know, and, huh. or, you know, how, how, you know, so they test the, actually the literally test their metal uh, in the larger sense. So I recommend that as well, but I love that you brought that in and offered it up. I have two quick honorable mentions. I won't spend very much time on them at all. And honestly, they're both quite elderly. So people may very well have seen them, but just in case you missed this, 
either of these. I want to I want to recommend based on a novel probably by the same name, starring Amy Adams and Patricia Clarkson and Chris Messina, who I love from Damages and other things. Chris Messina is terrific. Uh, it's a it's an HBO um, eight episode series called Sharp Objects, and it oh. is good. It is very okay. good. Um, okay. A reporter confronts the psychological demons from her past when she returns to her hometown to cover a violent murder. Uh, yeah. So it's got everything in it that you need to have in it right there. Uh, and it's yeah, good. It's got Amy Adams. That's Amy all Adams. I need in it. She's phenomenal. And Patricia Clarkson is, is amazing, too. Love her, too. And similarly addictive, but maybe a little junkier, uh, starring uh, Giovanni Ribisi and Ooh. other familiar faces, uh, including the always awesome Margot Martindale um, who I don't know if you know her name but you've seen her many times you mean you mean you mean Margot Matilda Mary May no <laughs> oh, okay. um, Margot Martindale now I have to I have to be fair to her because I really do I really do like her she work. related to Wink Martindale uh, not that I'm not that I'm aware of in the Mrs. America miniseries, which is another one I might talk about at some point, she played Bella Abzug. So that was something recent that she was in, people might have seen. Um, but she was... Oh, do you remember Do you remember Million Dollar Baby? Is that a movie yeah. that lives in your mind? Yeah. Her yeah, yeah. Fa- at some point, her family comes to visit her. Uh, Hillary Swank's family comes to visit her in the hospital. Margot Martindale played her mother. Okay. So if she's good enough for Clint Eastwood... You know, we'll go on Ooh, from there. But okay. she's been an, in an empty chair is good enough for Clint Eastwood too. That's not really a <laughs> okay. But. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and she did a, a she did just a a magnificent season on the show called Justified with Tim Oliphant, where she played like a a backwoods uh, crime boss that she was just phenomenal in, <clears throat> um, which I I absolutely adored. Anyway, she is in this as well. Um, in this as yet not named. Uh, Brian Cranston was one of the creators and he appears in the first season and the movie available on Prime Video is the series available on Prime Video is Sneaky Pete Sneaky Pete Sneaky Pete a con man on the run from a vicious gangster takes cover by assuming the identity of his prison cellmate Pete reuniting with his estranged family so Pete's been in jail his family hasn't seen him for 25 years this guy gets out. He needs a place to hide. He goes back and pretends to be Pete so that he disappears from view and he can get away with. Uh, and he's a he's a con man. So he's always up to some kind of bullshit. And there's always stuff going on. And they just do a great job of building the stakes and building the stakes through the course of an entire season. It's not like every episode is a different con. He's got seven balls in the air that he's trying to keep track of and not get his you know throat cut. And it's highly entertaining. It's very fun and addictive. And uh, there are three seasons. I don't doesn't look like there's going to be a fourth one, but um, they are all. Each season is quite good and quite interesting um, as he continues to to fool this family. So that is uh, streaming with Doctor D for this uh, this visit. Anyway, we may have now, uh, something else. Yeah, Doctor D. I know we have a. I know that we have some more uh, more dishes on the menu, but. Uh, <laughs> I'm worried that if we if we go through all of them at this rate, we're going to cut into some of your precious viewing time. <laughs> That's true. I need to get back to it. 
you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I've got a long list of things that I want to watch that I want to be able to tell people about. Um, and before we go, we do want to get to what we like to call the trailer trash talk. But before we get to that, I just want to uh, tell people once again how uh, excited we are to let you all know that our social media platforms are all up and running. And we just we'd really love to hear from you. So, you know, you can find us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And you can get all the particulars about how to get a hold of us in the show notes, how to how to stalk us. Basically, we're inviting you to stalk us is what we're doing. And we want you to do it. We're begging you to. And for those of you who... Oh, we are. Yeah, we are. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, digitally. That is stalk good us. to know. Stalk us digitally. Um, and you can get all the particulars about where to do all of this in the show notes. And for people who don't like to put all their dirty laundry on display and just want to contact us discreetly, you can email us at... Uh, at the following address, hwood, H-W-O-O-D-R-X, hwoodrx at gmail.com. That will also be in the show notes. Uh, we'd love to hear what you think of the show, uh, any particular movies or TV shows we've discussed, or even if there's something we haven't discussed, but you want people to know what you think about it, let us hear what you think about or it. Or if you want us to cover something. That's great. That you feel like, you know, oh man, I really would love to know what the doctors thought of this. Well, we're game. <laughs> Absolutely. Point us in the right direction. We'd love that. That's fantastic. Um, so I know I've done a lot of recommending of different things, but that's all stuff I have seen. Can you imagine the list of things that I have? Well, seen? the only the only trailer that I've seen recently um, is for Debris, the show that NBC's got uh, cooking. Yeah. It's uh, something that I'm interested in, too, but I want to hear you describe it. What's up? Well, it, from what I gather, it is about uh, these mysterious objects that fall to Earth and have all kinds of crazy powers that get uh, imparted on the people who come in contact with them. Now, debris from space, right? That's a no-brainer. Who wouldn't watch that? Yeah. Well, <laughs> with every progressive trailer that comes on, they, they, they show a little more and they show a little more. and Right. They start giving it this 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 prominence and delivery because it's the name of the show. They need a soundbite for for cutting trailers. So I have a feeling that uh, I'm probably not going to last too long with it. Oh no! But I will give it a try. I have more of a feeling that it might not last long for us, maybe either. I mean, it sounds like something that is really going to need to get a following in order to continue. That's quite possible. Um, did that show? What was that show? Manifest. Yes. It's another I one. Watched Seemed Manifest. like ah, interesting concept, yep. and then yep. it just suddenly became too lost-like. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I uh, totally agree. But I'll tell you what has me excited about this one. In addition to that kind of general setup of what it, what it you know sounds like it's, it's mm -hmm. going to be, is that it uh, features an actor who I really like a lot. Um, his name, <clears throat> excuse me, is Jonathan Tucker. And uh, I know him very specifically from, he's been in a lot of different things, but he was on a, sh a series that I think ran on like cable, like not AMC, but one of those, you know, channels down the dial a little bit called Kingdom, which was about a family of uh, MMA wrestlers. Hmm. And he played a savage wrestler in that and had these, uh, he's just, he was just awesome. Um, I'll go into that on some other streaming with Dr. D sometime if I'm ever allowed to do it again. And um, because K Kingdom was was phenomenal, there were it was only a couple of seasons, maybe three or four seasons, but there was so much in it that was that was worth uh, 
going into. Oh, and he was also in the Black Donnellys, which is from a million years ago about a, a group of uh, uh, Irish, you know, kids in New York, uh, family in New York who were just like tough and got into a lot of trouble. And it was short lived. It only had a it had like, you know, 10 episodes or something. But I loved him in that as well as a you know guy who could think on his feet sort of thing. He's an actor I'm always on the lookout for, and uh, I'm excited to see what he does here. I think that's, um, do you know when that starts? Mm-hmm. Oh, it premieres March 1st. I so think, it's, oh, okay. March 1st, and you were saying on NBC, so that should be relatively easy for everyone to find. It's not even um, streaming. Yeah, right, it has exactly. no place here. I don't know why I brought it up. No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. It's, I love it all. Um, and in fact, the way things work now is, yeah, it'll be on NBC on the day it's on, but then to, the next day it'll be available streaming somewhere. Yeah. I mean, it just yeah, it just works that way now. What trailers now. have you uh, have uh, made an impression on you recently? Well, here's the thing: is there was one that I kept seeing trailers for a year ago, and I went, "That looks interesting to me," but I couldn't get my shit together to watch it, partly because it was on Apple TV. I believe it was Apple TV, and just uh, the way our house is set up and the the room that the Apple TV is in and the TV that it's on is it turns me off, so I don't end up doing it. Um, but I saw a trailer for this upcoming season, the second season of the show, and I went, I got to get involved in this now that I have a slightly better idea of what it is. I thought it was like a documentary about the beginning of the space program. But what it is, is is a documentary about an alternate universe beginning of the space program. So there'll be things we recognize, but then there'll be events that occur that are completely different hmm. from what we know. Um, for example, there will be female astronauts, I think, right from the beginning, that sort of thing. Um, and one of the main actors in it is a guy named Joel Kinnaman, who is like, he's not Swedish, but one of those type countries. Um, and he's been around here in American television for a while, and he's been in some films too. And I think the first place I ever really became aware of him was on a show that ran for about three years on network television, I think, called The Killing. And it was a remake of a foreign series. That was a AMC show, I believe. Oh, yeah, 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 that makes sense. Um, and he played um, the sort of partner to the main cop uh, who was a, an actress named Marielle Enos, I think is how you pronounce her name. Um, and it sort of famously, the first season does not end with them solving the mystery, and that made that made fans furious, including my wife. But then, to me, it just made it delicious, and I loved it. And he was, he was a standout character in that. I'd never really noticed him before. And then he's gone on. He, he has a recurring part in the TV series Hannah. And he's also in this um, For All Mankind. So I'm excited to see that he's there. I'm not just interested in male actors. I think people who listen to this show would know that I like a lot of different uh, type things like that. But um, So I'm interested in seeing. It's an alternative version of 1969. The Soviet beats the U.S. to the moon. And the space race continues on for decades with still grander challenges and goals. So, to me, that's an interesting jumping-off point. And I will check that out. All and then right. I have one more that's All more right. of like a guilty pleasure. This is a feature film. Uh, feature. It's a movie, not a series. It's currently available, I think, on... <sighs> Prime Video. I think it's on Prime. And it's, uh, it's called I Care A Lot. A crooked mm. legal guardian who drains the savings of her elderly wards meets her match when she tries to swindle the wrong person. Um, and it's Rosamund Pike, 
mm-hmm. who I think was in Gone Girl. She sure was. And other things, but she's a, she's a good actress. Peter Dinklage, who we... Game of Thrones, and I'd be happy to see him in anything else. I find him always interesting. Uh, Diane Weist is in it. Um, Chris Messina, also in this. So oh, boy. If you don't see him in the other thing, you can see him in this. And the list goes on and on. And it is not based on a book, as far as I can tell. So a refreshing change of wow. pace. <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't based on a book. But it it's sort of falls into the category of a crime thriller, but I think it also maybe has some comedic elements in it as well. <clears throat> um and that's my trailer trash talk uh, for now. All right. um, well, that's all the time we have on on the Dr. D show. <laughs> oh, no. That makes me feel so guilty and dirty. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I know. I know. You say it with love. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank you so much for joining us this evening. It truly would not be the same without you. For now and until next time, the doctors are out.